This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to the first Bright Focus Macular Chat of 2023. My name is Diana Campbell and I'm pleased to be here with you today to talk about increasing independence with assistive technology. We're going to spend about 30 minutes discussing how to use native technology or technology that is already on your smartphone or computer, as well as helpful low vision apps and other tips. For those of you who are new to our chat series, this chat is brought to you today by Bright Focus Foundation. We fund some of the top scientists in the world who are working to find better treatments and ultimately cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's disease. And we do events like today's chat to get the latest news from science as quickly as possible to the families that are impacted by these diseases. You can find much more information on our website, www.brightfocus.org. Now I'm pleased to introduce today's guest, Jerry Fellies. Jerry is the Access Technology Director at the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired and manages and oversees all recruitment and training of volunteers at the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired Assistive Technology Training Centers. He brings over 10 years of experience in the assistive technology sector, including five years at Perkins School for the Blind, where he was an assistive technology training specialist. Jerry has also helped companies and universities streamline accessibility guidelines and develop solutions for employees with visual impairments. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Diana. It's a pleasure to be with you. I think this is a really exciting topic. We get all kinds of questions, so I'm going to dive right in. Uh, let's start with something that is a big issue for many people affected by macular degeneration, and that is reading. Can you tell us about screen readers? What are they, and how do they work? So a screen reader is a built-in audio um, that is controlled either by a keyboard commands or by a gesture. And when you navigate to a particular location on the screen, it'll read the information back to you. Um, so it makes, it's TTS, it makes the text uh, readable back to you, text to speech. And so um, a screen reader uh, is really how a person who is totally blind uh, would navigate a website, navigate their email, navigate their home screen or their desktop environment. It's how folks that are completely blind actually, you know, uh, have you know, really good jobs, um, are able to really contribute in, in society. Um, so it, it's since the inception of it uh, with uh, JAWS and I think there were others that came out. So uh, that was in the early 90s, late 80s. Um, and JAWS stands for uh, access with uh, speech. Um, and that really allowed people to, um, you know, access their digital environment. Uh, so what's really a, a helpful trend um, in that space is that now it's not like a third-party solution like JAWS was, which, you know, really has been the gold standard for years. Um, now you have uh, open source uh, screen readers like um, NVDA. Um, so, you know, those are no cost to a person. Uh, then you have built-in screen readers like VoiceOver that will work on your iPhone. Um, really, any any 
Apple product that you can think of, it'll work on it, even on your Apple Watch or uh, iPad Touch or, or iPod Touch, um, almost anything that you could think of, your Apple TV. Uh, then you have screen readers now built into the operating systems like Narrator for, uh, for Windows. Um, there's even a screen reader built in for uh, the, the Chromebooks uh, that you get as well. Um, so um, it, it's, it's a known technology, um, but it is something that um, has really changed uh, people's lives. So then there's how does that uh, benefit someone who's low vision, right? Um, so there is, uh, there is a split um, that you have to kind of make a determination as a low vision or slash legally blind user. So when is it appropriate to use it or, or not to use it? Um, and so it gets used a little bit differently by those that have some vision, but it's still just as valuable. And so um, there's a distinction that's made between a full screen reader and screen reading on demand as well. So I like to kind of make this distinction. So with the screen reader on demand, um, so for I'll use an example. So for example, in your accessibility settings on your iPhone, uh, there's a place that's called spoken content. Um, this allows you to just swipe down with two fingers from the top left-hand corner of your screen and have a screen reader read for you the information that's on your screen reader. Android has this as well. Um, and that's also one I didn't mention. So Android also has a native built-in screen reader called TalkBack. Um, but going back to this point, um, so with the uh, two-finger swipe down, that just reads to you the text that's like right in front of you or like an email. And that's what I call screen reading on demand, just to kind of give it a, a label. Whereas a full-blown screen reader um, or a comprehensive screen reader reads everything on the screen. And um, that's very, you know, that's obviously very valuable because the screen reader on demand is not going to read everything on the screen. It's not going to read the actionable buttons like create a new note or your address bar or your menu bar. It'll just read you the text. Whereas a, a full-blown screen reader, a comprehensive screen reader, is going to read your address bar. It's going to give you just an overwhelming amount of information. Um, and so, like, one of the challenges when you first start learning it is you get a little bit of cognitive overload because it's just reading all the elements on the screen. Um, so <laughs> kind of just, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so that's one of the, the things I sort of warn people about when you're first learning how to use it. It's, it, you can get cognitive overload. That's why for someone with low vision or who doesn't need it all of the time, but there, there is real value in it, specific to navigation in particular. Um, but, um, but you have to decide what the split is. Do I use it 5% of the time, 10% of the time, 20% of the time? And, and a lot of this is really in, in, a, in assistive technology accessibility is finding what works best for you. Because you know, I've been doing this for like 15 years. And one of the things that I've learned, if I've worked with one client, I've worked with one client. You know, the, the principles apply, right? 
but they apply differently to people. Um, so it's really about finding what works best for you because um, you're going to use it slightly different than somebody else. Um, but in terms of screen reader technology, it's there. Um, it, it's built into almost everything now, like, and it's built into your TVs. Um, they're not as good as iOS or Android or, you know, your mainstream, uh, you know, vendors of technology, but um, it's kind of nice to have like a screen reader in a TV, even though it's, it's like I said, it's not great. Um, but yeah, it's thankfully it's there and it, it's, it, you, you take it wherever you go. So. Great. Um, so we've talked a lot about, you know, iPads and um, Android and iPhones. Um, what about like a desktop computer? We do have some people that, you know, prefer to use either a laptop or desktop over, you know, a Chromebook or an iPad or something like that. Um, are these same tools available in the same way or do they need to do something slightly different um, on an actual computer? So the the technology functions a little a little differently. Um, so on so like for example on the 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 mobile platforms um, the gestures are really really established. I uh, can't say that for like for Windows for example, um, you're better off using a keyboard. That would kind of be the main difference is you're better off using the keyboard commands, whereas for the mobile. Uh, for your iPads, your tablets, um, it's probably more advantageous to use gestures, um, you know, your hands to navigate the screen uh, versus okay. using a keyboard. Uh, I think right. that's one of the differences. Um, but the, the main, but the, the, the concept's sort of the same. Like um, when you're doing, I think generally speaking, when you're doing bulk work, you're going to do it on a desktop. So it's certainly designed for that. And the, you take advantage of whatever the desktop offers in, in, in that, in that context. I think what's kind of helpful is, so there's, there's, there's key commands, right? There's key commands that are for the screeners specifically, but in terms of navigation, there are key commands that are native to the operating system. So um, if you know both, that's a huge plus. Right. Um, so I imagine to turn these on, um, you would go to the settings and look for accessibility. Is that sort of where everything lives um, related to all the different things we've just talked about? So Yeah. So for, for both um, Mac and Windows, uh, you'd go to – and Chromebook, you'd go – Android, whatever, you'd go to um, – You'd go to accessibility settings, and then you could enable them. And then you really want to know how do you activate the shortcuts. And that actually includes, like, the shortcuts um, for iOS and Android, too, because it's, it's really helpful, particularly when you start to learn it. It's really helpful to know how to turn it off and on easily. Because right. in the beginning, it, it's, it's, uh, it can be a challenge, right? And it does take some getting used to. You know, and, and honestly, for some people, they they, they, um, they find it a bit challenging or even annoying um, because they're not the, because they're not used to getting you're you're used to receiving information visually, not auditorily. 
Uh, and it does go back to that um, cognitive overload piece. Um, so, you know, what I've always suggested is be patient with the process, be patient with yourself, and use it as you need it. And I think having that mindset will will help out. I think one of the things I, I tell clients is um, as long as you're willing to learn something, do something a different way to accomplish a task that you used to do, you can, you can uh, regain something you thought was lost, but you have to sort of be willing to do it a different way. And at first it may not feel natural, um, but if you're able to do it, you know, you can access your banking information on an app independently. You can read the paper independently. You can search for things independently. You can shop independently on an app. Granted, that's not, you have to learn how to do that one uh, more because that's a little bit more challenging because it's more involved and you have to learn how to you know, navigate the websites. But, um, but going back to your original question, yeah, um, there's there's slight distinctions between between them between the desktop and the mobile. Sure, that makes sense. Um, we've gotten a, a um, question from one of the people listening right now, uh, and of course we all know that everyone has their preferences between Androids and iPhones. Is there one in particular that's more popular in the blind and low vision community? Um, is there one that has more features than the other? So I, I think the data would show that people definitely gravitate more just towards Apple. Um, and the the best way that I can describe it, I, it in my assessment, um, it's kind of like driving. Um, first time I, I got on a, in, in a Mercedes Benz, it was the suspension was unbelievable. Like it just hugged the road. Uh, so this is the best example I have for this. Um, it, it, it might be different than driving a different vehicle, whatever the vehicle is, right? Um, just by way of analogy. Um, so when you're navigating on the actual, uh, on your iPhone, it's just very smooth. It's very consistent. It's super stable. Where Android, it's made massive improvements. It's getting better. I get introduced multi-touch gestures recently to make it easier to control um, the Android device. And there are pros and cons to each. But I think a large portion of the uh, visually impaired community navigate towards, particularly more on the, the lower vision side, uh, navigate more towards, you know, iDevices uh, than they do Android devices. But the Android piece, it's increasing um, because it is getting better. Great, thank you. Um, I have another question uh, relevant to some of the points we've been talking about. Uh, what about how to make a website more readable? Uh, can you, how do you adjust the contrast? Can you adjust the contrast on any web page? Uh, can we talk about contrast settings a little bit? Yeah. So. Um, that's a good question. The the so you could tackle it a couple of different ways. So the I think the best way to tackle it, um, I think in my opinion, the best way to tackle it is to 
know your screen magnification software, know your accessibility um, configurations or get familiar with them first. Because with your accessibility settings, like I, I'm, I use a Mac as, um, oh, I use all of the platforms, but like I, I, I use, I'm on my Mac and I can change the contrast just by pressing a shortcut. Um, and the contrast will, you know, help improve visibility because it's a black background with white text now. That's one way to tackle it, and that's, that's the one I would suggest first. Um, then there's other settings um, that apply to, like for Windows, for example. Uh, there's a way to change the, there's multiple ways to change the contrast. Um, there is a setting that allows you to use the magnifier and change the contrast. Then there's a global contrast setting where you could just do a shortcut key uh, and it will globally change the contrast for the, the whole operating system, not while you're using magnifier. Then you have high contrast settings and settings that you can adjust uh, in Windows, which is, is different than the one I just mentioned. Um, uh, and then there are settings that um, you can adjust for a um, for your web browser, like Safari or uh, or Edge, um, but you know, which which is good, right? So, like on, on on our Mac, for example, you can set the default, um, and you could do this on other platforms, but um, on on this Mac right now, I have my font set at default like 16, so all text will appear as 16 font, and so like what's nice about that is. That means I may need to use less magnification when I use the magnifier um, versus because um, the difference would be what? Like, so for me, I'm low vision. So, I, you know, I'll use between, you know, 6X and 10X to, uh, to read something. Um, but if I increase the font size to 16 to 20 font, I just want to make a distinction. The, from the, increasing the font size to 15 or 20, uh, 16 or 20, uh, instead of, uh, so then I may need to increase the magnification, which is an entirely different number. When I say six or an X, six X stands for 600 times the original size. So um, if I increase it to 20 font, I may just need to use six X versus using eight X. So, so part of it is that there's an ex exploring process. You have to sort of explore, experiment a little bit, and figure out which configuration works best. But you can. There's multiple ways to make it a little bit more accessible. If we're specifically talking about font pieces uh, or or text size, yeah, there's multiple ways to do that. Great. Um, this is slightly different than we, what you just finished discussing, but similar to the kind of the theme we've been talking about. Um, and this is one that's, I think, hard in general. When you're streaming things on the different apps on TV, some of them do certain things, some do others. Um, and we've got a question from Mary asking, um, when choosing movies, uh, how do you get the short descriptions read out loud? Is that a TV setting or is that specific to each app? So it's it's sort of both. Um, there's a configuration on a there's a configuration on the computer. I mean on the um, on the television that you can do, um, depending on you know your your TV. And then there's also 
Um, so if you're like streaming Netflix, they have an audio description um, button that you can select. Uh, so, and, and that's usually like, so th that should be across the board sort of with, if it came with audio description, right? So, because uh, some of them don't. So you got to check if they did come with audio description or not. Gotcha. Um, so that was a nice segue into, you know, certainly another big topic um, discussed very frequently among our community of people who have AMD, and that is apps. They're looking for apps that could help them with their daily life activities, um, you know, and other things that they're doing on a frequent basis. Can you share some of the best non-native or third-party apps that help people to see or assist in completing these daily tasks? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, so let, let, I'll start with the native first. So the, the, cam, the camera app actually has some OCR. So getting familiar with, with that a little bit, just the native um, camera app on your phone, um, at least for, I think that's actually for both Android and, 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 and iOS. So, you know, it'll pick up text and even read it out loud. Um, that's, so if you don't have, I guess if you don't have any of these apps, you could start with your, um, with your phone already and kind of explore that for, I guess just for fun. But if you're looking for a more comprehensive, and I would suggest this too, right? Like if you're looking for a more comprehensive solution, you, you want to do seeing AI. Seeing AI is an optical character recognition solution. Um, for those that don't know what that is, all it is is you take a picture, it recognizes, your, your, your phone recognizes the text, reads the information back to you. That's really all that is. Um, it, well, depending on the app, so if we're using Seeing AI, for example, that app gives you multiple, it's kind of like a suite sort of, it gives you multiple functions. So there's the, the one where you just put the camera over the information and it begins to read it right away. And just a caveat on that, then you just need the appropriate techniques for how to use it, right? Um, then there's one that, reads it, that, that scans it and converts it into text that you can actually see and that you can, you know, play back with either voiceover um, or a play button. Um, so then it actually reads your currency. It does facial recognition. So that's a really good one to start. That's only for iOS. Um, for, the, uh, for the Android side, you have uh, Google Lookout, which is really good as well, and it does a lot of the same things. Um, you have... Uh, Blind Square, which is a navigation app. I think that's a paid one. Um, Microsoft came out with one not too long ago. And why the name is escaping me, I don't know. Um, but um, they do have a GPS app as well. Um, Soundscape is the name of that app. So that's a good one for navigating. So as you're navigating outside, it calls out names. Um, and there's, there's stuff that's coming out um, that's sort of in beta. Um, that's going to help with some recognition where you point a finger, like kiosk recognition and different things like that. Um, I can't get too much into that, but there's, there's stuff that's out there um, as well that, that, that'll be coming out soon. Um, you know, there's, there's glasses that reads information to you um, that, that can work with apps. Um, and, but the primary ones that I commonly recommend are going to be your OCR apps, um, you do have uh, and the, the the soundscape apps, 
Um, but there the, there are, there are uh, some that um, there are some that will be coming out. Um, that just I can't get into t- uh, too much. But um, uh, it, you know the future looks bright for this stuff, particularly with the AI piece. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, and just for anyone who might not have caught it, OCR stands for Optical Character Recognition. So if you see that, it's the same thing as OCR. I'm not sure you'll know the answer to this. We just got a question about can voice reader apps on your phone be connected to a hearing aid? Uh, well, yeah, because your phone your phone would connect. Uh, so if your phone connects and you're using an app, it will read the information uh, from your phone. Gotcha. Um, so we recently became aware of an app called Be My Eyes, um, and it sounds really, really interesting and potentially helpful. Could you tell us a little bit more about that app? Oh, sure. Uh, so that's a that's a human-centered app, and so there are there are a few of them out there. Uh, Be My Eyes is one uh, where you have volunteers throughout the world um, that will help you uh, to complete a specific task. Uh, you would just, you know, sign up with them, download the app, and then you would uh, you could point your camera at a physical document and someone can help you read it. Uh, it would be a live human being and it would help you, you know, read that. Or if you needed to identify a building or a building number or maybe read a sign that you can't read, person will be on the other line and help you do that or read, a, you know, a can of, uh, you know, a, a soup can or something, um, you could get a, a human assistance uh, doing that. Uh, and, you know, there are there are uh, other applications like that as well, um, but Be My Eyes is certainly one of them. MADB, um, the organization I work for, MAB, has um, a specific profile um, that you can sign up for. It's in the app. And so do – there's actually um, – there's actually profiles that are specific, like I think Microsoft and Google have uh, specific uh, profiles um, for the um, Be My Eyes application. Great. Um, so let's see. I had a question. Oh, I had a comment, actually. I'm sorry. Um, so just to let everybody know, we're also going to be, um, for anybody who wants to request this at the end of the chat, um, we have an expert article called Apps for People with Low Vision. So many of these will be covered there. Um, another resource that I think is particularly interesting is um, with you, Jerry. When we met a few weeks ago in preparation for the chat, you um, told us that you have a YouTube channel where you post training videos about various types of technology. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that and what types of activities um, and topics are in your YouTube, on your YouTube channel? Absolutely. Um, So uh, the YouTube channel is Jerry Feliz. Um, You you just have to put in the search, Jerry Feliz assistive touch, uh, and then it should populate my channel. Uh, and so in that channel, I have you know several videos. Uh, one of one of the ones I'd recommend is if you're going to use OCR, which I would highly recommend. Um, I did one on seeing AI. Um, so that takes you step by step on best practices for utilizing it, right? It's like one thing to have the app, but what are the best practices 
for utilizing um, the solution. Um, so there's, um, I, I have, uh, you know, videos with inventors on there. Um, I have videos with uh, organizations on there. Um, there's one I did with Accessible Pharmacy, which is a real a good one too. And there's there's other videos on, you know, Mac accessibility, other videos on, um, you know, best practices for using Uber uh, with, you know, assistive technology like VoiceOver and Zoom. Um, you know, Windows native accessibility functions. Um, I think I have one on speech recognition. There's multiple videos there. Uh, um, so feel free to check out the channel. I'm also on um, the IAAP network, um, which streams out of Valley Eye Radio uh, Wednesdays, uh, I think it's 4 or uh, 4.30 uh, Wednesdays. Um, if you, you know, want to check out their channel or if you listen to um, the, these uh, uh, visually impaired listening services uh, or reading services, um, I'm on that network. I'm on other channels in that network as well, but that's the one I, the, they have a fixed schedule for um, the broadcast. So anything that's on the YouTube page, they sort of broadcast it as well. Uh, so if you're looking for information that way, um, I also do private, um, private uh, consultation. So if you, you needed assistance, you know, you could reach me as well. Um, I'm at 857-443-6636 um, and uh, at jfeliz at mabcommunity.org. Uh, That's so generous of you. Thank you. Um, and for those who are typing Jerry's name into um, the YouTube search, it's J-E-R-R-Y, and Feliz, his last name is F-E-L-I-Z. So it's Jerry Belli's Assistive Touch. Um, I guess that's about all the time we have today. This has been really, really helpful. I'm sure, I'm sure people will call you, and I'm sure we'll have questions, you know, that are submitted at the end, and we can loop back with you. Um, but we're really grateful for everything you shared with us today. Um, and, again, I definitely think, um, you know, to me it seems really overwhelming for somebody who's starting out. And I think the fact that you've got that channel and are, you know, open to people contacting you. Uh, is really wonderful. Our next Bright Focus chat will be on Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. And in honor of AMD Awareness Month, we'll be interviewing two individuals who are living with AMD. So to close out today, Jerry, this discussion has given us so many tips and ways to use technology to our advantage. Before we conclude, are there any final remarks you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, Diana, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, and hope to collaborate. We do too. Thanks so much, Jerry. And this officially concludes the Bright Focus Macular Chat. Thanks for joining. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.